to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Okay, I know it took me a second, but here I am with my Paleo FX recap. I know a lot of you were excited about this, and I'm very excited to share it. After I got back from Paleo FX last week, I wanted to immediately record a podcast, but the last week has been absolutely insane, and I am not joking when I tell you I have not had a, a, an hour straight available to record, and I'm sure this will be over an hour anyways. Um, but here I am recording, and it's also probably better I had some time to uh, decompress, compile my thoughts, and we can we can get into it. So today I am going to kind of discuss some of the different talks from Paleo FX. So if you're not familiar with Paleo FX, it happens every year in Austin, Texas. I love that city, and there are different parts. So there's a big expo floor. It's at Palmer Event Center, and there's an expo floor with a ton of different brands, companies, cool paleo-friendly products, and then there are just so many different talks going on. There are panels, there are single speakers, and you basically pick who you want to go see. So you can't see everybody, obviously, if you're only one person. So I picked certain talks and speakers that I wanted to see, and I will share the information that I gathered from those. But again, this obviously isn't everything that was covered at Paleo FX. I can't cover every single thing. That would take me days. Also, I didn't hear every single thing. But it was overall really fun. I had a great time last year, but it didn't like blow my socks off. This year, however, I had an incredible time. I just had so much fun. I thought that the speakers are great. I thought that there was a really well-rounded group of speakers, different topics covered. I felt like last year was basically all about keto, and this year wasn't all about keto. There was a wide variety of topics covered. Amazing speakers, many of which I have had the pleasure of podcasting with, which is always awesome to see guests in real life and not just over Skype calls if that happened, or to see people again. It's just fun how everybody from all over the country flies in, and you're just, you're with your people. If you're in the paleo world, you're with your people. Everyone there is weird, so you don't feel weird. It's great. I stayed with my friend, Rachel Barber, who has been on this podcast, and we had a little Airbnb, explored Austin. I 
I honestly could live there. When I was debating where to move out of LA, I seriously considered Austin and then I settled on San Diego, but the food is great. The people are amazing. And it was just really nice to see some of my friends who live there and also people who don't live there. And just special shout out to anyone who said hi to me, introduced themselves to me. It's really nice to get to meet people who listen to the podcast or follow me on social media. You guys are amazing, and Rachel and I had a really fun meetup on Saturday there, so a special thank you to everyone who came to that meetup. I had so much fun, and it honestly, like, meant the world to me. We had a really great conversation, and it was amazing because I got to meet some of the women in my Paleo Women Lifestyle program in person, not just via video chat, like on our live group calls, and it's always great to meet them in person because I just, I feel like I I know them all so well just through the program and it's just great to connect on that personal level. And I got to meet some of my distance Reiki clients who I hadn't gotten to meet in person before. So that was amazing. I think after the whole weekend, I just, and during the whole weekend, I just felt this amazing sense of gratitude for my job and what I get to do and all these amazing connections I get to make. Um, and it's funny when people meet me and they tell me how I've helped them in some way or how much my content means to them. And it just like fills my heart up. But really, I think that people don't realize that like you guys fill my heart up. So you changed my life too. I'm going to get sappy. But yeah, it was just a really, really fun weekend. And Got to hang out with some incredible people, found some really awesome companies. This year, instead of covering products that I found on the podcast, I'm going to write a blog post about them just because it's easier. And then this podcast will be about just the speakers and kind of what went down. But, you know, we got in early, hung out, explored Austin a bit, worked a little bit. And then Rachel and I went to the Primal Health Coach Institute networking event, which was so much fun. I got to meet a bunch of other primal health coaches, some of whom I'd only, you know, seen via social media before. Also got to chat with the staff at Primal Health Coach Institute. I love them so much. And it's just really great to be a part of such a community. That's one of the reasons why I love the Primal Health Coach Institute because they have such a great sense of community and also just continuing support. So they did have a masterclass while we were there, like during that week in Austin, which is awesome. It can really just help to connect in person with other people who are in your industry. And also like, you know that you have a lot in common with them because they just are of the same paradigm. But that's just one of the many reasons why I love the Primal Health Coach Institute. I told you guys so many times before, but I really think it was a crucial part of my education and building my business. And you know, I didn't know if I was going to do a health coaching certification. And looking back, you know, at the time I thought, oh, I'll just do this additionally. I don't really need it. But looking back, I really think it was very helpful for me in growing my business. And I don't think I would be at the place I am without having had that education. And I know that there are a lot of health coach programs out there. And I just (laughs) really encourage you to do your research and find the one that best suits you. And I 
100% stand behind the Paranormal Health Coach Institute. I mean, I've basically always been a huge fan of whatever Mark Sisson puts out. He wrote the Primal Blueprint, which totally changed my life. And then Primal Kitchen. You guys know I love all the products. And then when he launched the Primal Health Coach Institute, I was obviously intrigued. I read his blog like it's the bible it has so much incredible information mark's daily apple go check it out if you haven't already read it but i was just most excited about this program because it was going to teach me all the skills i wanted to know from my philosophy and all about my chosen niche so real food eating a paleo primal perspective looking at ancestral health and evolutionary biology and i really wanted a mixture of deep science but also information that was applicable to everyday life for real life clients and then also i wanted that business support and learning really how to coach because just because you know the information doesn't know you mean how to be a coach necessarily so at the primal health coach institute We focus on ancestral health principles specifically. You're going to get a really comprehensive nutrition and health sciences education. You're going to dive deep. It's like a college-level course, probably more in-depth, definitely deeper than my college courses. And it's really nice because you can go through it all at your own pace, on your own time. It can all be done online, and you can keep going back through the resources over and over again. So you always have them to reference. It is a lot of information to digest. If you are a a nutrition nerd like me, you will be in heaven. But it's also not so in-depth that you can't understand it. Like Everything is laid out in a really easy to understand way, and they try and make it as straightforward as possible, and they really tell you exactly what you need to know. You also learn a lot about how the body actually works. And you learn how all of these different lifestyle factors are interconnected and how the food you eat, the activities you do, your sleep, your stress levels, all of those are related and the decisions you make regarding all of those are going to affect your body at the cellular level. And as a coach, it's really key to understand how all of those pieces are interconnected because when we're coaching, we're not just looking at food alone or just looking at exercise or just looking at stress. It's how everything plays into each other. And when you look at the person as a whole, you can better understand how to address each of those components of their lifestyle. And of course, beyond the nutrition science component, which is amazing, they're really committed to your success as a coach. So you're getting a ton of different exercises, chapters, a full resource center that's devoted to business development. You'll also learn marketing, sales training. You will learn how to be a great coach and how to truly build your business. The Resource Center is amazing. It has a ton of made-for-you materials. You will get handouts, flyers, forms, marketing graphics, and even a 12-week coaching program that you can use with your clients from day one. So you're seriously set up for success. And then, of course, through the program and beyond, there is all that ongoing support through the private Facebook group, monthly live webinars, and mastermind meetups. I think that sense of community is absolutely crucial to the success of any health coach's business. So if you are interested in the paleo lifestyle and to the primal way of living, if you want to learn about health from that perspective, 
then make sure you go to primalhealthcoach.com slash realness. And that's where you can learn more about the Primal Health Coach Institute. You can also download a free ebook all about how to be a health coach in just five easy steps. Just go to primalhealthcoach.com slash realness, R-E-A-L-N-E-S-S, and you can get all the information there. Or if you are already ready to sign up for the Primal Health Coach Institute, you can use the code COACH200 to get $200 off of the price of enrollment. So that discount code is COACH200 and that will get you $200 off. But it was just so great to meet other coaches while I was there and also get to chat with the staff, see Mark Sisson, and they always have a great booth at Pillow FX too. So if you ever go to Pillow FX and you just want to hang out and chill and meet some cool people, go to the Primal Health Coach Institute booth. They are always having a blast over there. So after that event on Thursday... I was pretty tapped out, and then Paleo FX started Friday, was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and planned out every talk I wanted to go see, and then went right to it, and here we are. Let's go ahead and jump into kind of the main points that I pulled from each of the talks I went to. Obviously, I can't cover everything that we went over as this was three days worth of information and this podcast is loosely an hour to an hour and a half. We'll see how long I talk for, but I'm going to share kind of the key takeaways and just my my reactions. So the first talk I went to was with Dave Asprey. It was called When Wrong Animal Protein Breaks Paleo. Honestly, I feel like Dave Asprey says something very similar every single time he talks, so nothing kind of crazy or groundbreaking here. If you follow Dave or you know kind of what the Bulletproof philosophy is, I mean, just the Bulletproof diet, he's all about ketosis, moderate animal protein, high fat, lots of vegetables, although only certain vegetables and spices. You can go to the Bulletproof book to read all of that. I'm sure a lot of you already know all about the Bulletproof diet, but he was just talking about kind of problems with too having too much meat in the diet. You know, I feel like this is such a hot topic in paleo space. How much meat do we eat? And we have carnivores on one end of the spectrum. We have people who are saying, you know, eat very low protein on the other side of the spectrum. And so he was just talking about how, you know, we do need animal protein to live healthy lives, but there are problems with too much. And basically the problems from getting too much animal protein would be from getting too much methionine in the diet. He was explaining that methionine restriction has been associated with increased glucose tolerance, increased lifespan, and increase in energy expenditure. It's all about getting the right amount of animal protein, the right amount of methionine, not too much, not too little. Really to modulate our insulin and cortisol responses because also having too low of insulin, I know everyone's afraid of high insulin, but having too low insulin um, puts you at higher risk for cardiovascular disease than even high insulin, which is interesting. So his take is to eat fattier cuts of meat and less meat overall, lots of veggies and tons of fat. And we're looking at moderate to low amounts of protein because protein still raises insulin, Dave Asprey says. His recommendations, you know, because this is the thing, people like to say low, moderate, high, 
of whatever macro and they don't say what that means. So what he was saying was lean people should be eating about 0.5 grams of protein per pound of body mass and athletes and the elderly should be consuming about 0.6 grams per pound. And then he said, if you're overweight to subtract the weight of your fat on your body before you figure out how much protein to have. And I think the the research, pretty much everyone agrees on the fact that as you age, especially if you're over 65, you do need more protein to um, prevent the risk of sarcopenia. He did say that if you are using collagen, you could double your protein intake though because collagen is low in methionine. Again, this comes back to methionine being the culprit. Um, He recommends eating collagen before having steak because of the glycine. So you could do bone broth and then steak. This is like, I mean, when I was doing carnivore diet, that's basically what I did for every meal. I would drink bone broth and then have the whatever meat I was having. But basically the glycine and the bone broth or the collagen or whatever will displace the methionine. And so you can actually handle more of the protein. And then when it comes to plant protein, um, he was just talking about how making protein from plants is is expensive biologically. Plants have these defense mechanisms. They they contain things that help them to repel predators. They can't run away from predators in the wild. So a lot of plant-based proteins naturally have things like lectins in them to protect themselves. Um, and those are toxins in the body. You know, Dave Asprey is really big on avoiding lectins. So we're looking at things like beans and legumes um, especially. And he, But he was saying that hemp protein is probably the best if you're going to go for a plant-based protein. Um, defatted preferably because um, the fat can get oxidized. Some other main points were, I mean, if you if you're burning your meat, you're basically killing yourself, is what he said. Um, he was talking about, you know, the importance of no industrial meat, not eating industrial meat. He would rather have no meat than eat industrial meat. It destroys the soil. It's bad for animals. Bad for your health, obviously that contains lots of toxins in that animal fat. So avoiding that. Then he kind of moved into like creating products and what he has learned about creating products for other people and what they like. And so there are kind of a few key points he wanted to cover. First of all, he said, number one is how you feel matters most. So looking at ingredient quality because high quality is going to make you feel your best. Um, He gave the example of MCT oil. There's so many different MCT oils on the market and a lot of companies just put out cheap MCT oil that they actually use for fracking and people are consuming this. So like the quality is going to matter because people might be getting what they think of is the same product, but the quality is completely different and they will not get the health benefits from it. Um, Number two, flavor is next. So he was talking about how with all these keto products, a lot of people will judge keto based off of one keto product they had and maybe it tasted like crap. And so they think, oh, all keto food is not good. Um, And that's not necessarily true, which I mean, the term keto food, I'm just saying that as a label, but you know, that's a whole other rant. Um, Number three, convenience matters. So people are not going to consume something if it takes a while. He was talking about that's why he created Bulletproof Coffee. Um, People will implement that if it is convenient for them. Number four, impact on the world. You want to make sure you're having a positive impact on the world. He was talking about, you know, 
you don't want to work with industrial chicken, um, glyphosate, heavy metals. If those are all in the food that you're putting out and you are negatively impacting the, the world in that way, then this is a problem. Number five being cost. Then he went on a little rant about how usually when you go out to restaurants, you do not get enough vegetables on your plate, which I completely agree with. Um, and we were laughing because... <laughs> Like, I post on social media about people who eat three spheres of asparagus with their dinner. I just don't understand. Um, Like, how <laughs> you could just have three. And we were laughing because it reminded me of that. Um, You know, when you go to a restaurant and they give you, like, two pieces of broccoli and you're just like, hmm. Hmm. Okay. Then he moved into talking about prebiotics and kind of his own tests with prebiotics and how um, he did his own tests with himself where he was talking about, I think he has a product called Interfuel Prebiotic. I don't know if that's out yet. But I originally had 48 um, strains of good bacteria in his gut. And after taking this in just a short time, it moved up to 106, which is awesome. And just how, you know, bacteria are going to eat those prebiotics and create butyric acid, which we know is incredible for the gut. And just like how the prebiotic fiber is going to turn into short chain fatty acids and promote health that way. Then we moved into what? Coffee. Caffeine. How 10% of the population are slow caffeine metabolizers. So if you notice that caffeine just makes you feel crazy, jittery, I'm one of these people, this could be an issue. Also, if you have uh, mold toxicity, histamine intolerance, coffee could cause you problems. So talking about just how sometimes, quote, healthy foods are unhealthy for certain people. Those are kind of the main takeaways from Dave's talk. It wasn't really mind-blowing to me. Um, the thing with Dave Asprey is, I mean, I'm a Bulletproof like fan, I guess. I don't live by Bulletproof diet, but I think it has helped a lot of people. I don't really agree with everything personally that um, kind of that way of living slash eating. I do like that he cycles in carbohydrates in general. I agree about the prebiotic benefits and kind of paying attention to lectins in some aspect, but I don't know that I agree with how low that protein amount is. <laughs> I definitely don't, honestly, for most people. It's, again, some people feel fine like that, but I just think for a lot of people that low, that's too low protein. In my personal opinion, I also think he is so focused on biohacking that he doesn't see the bigger picture and just like how the way Dave Asprey lives, most people could not live because he lives with a lot of really, you know, utilizing a lot of really expensive products, his vibration plate and all these things he does his exercise. And I don't know. I think also if you're so, I mean, I've definitely had clients before I've, who have done hardcore bulletproof diet and many of them become afraid of consuming anything that's not bulletproof approved, which is too bad. Um, but yeah, kind of a tangent there, but that was, that was the gist of Dave Asprey's talk. He is a great salesman. He always knows what to say to get people to want to buy XCT oil, MCT oil, and his Bulletproof collagen bars. So keep that one in mind. Keep that in mind. All right. The next talk was a mastermind panel called The Latest in Health Hacking. And this was moderated by Josh Trent, who's been on the show. And the speakers up there were Dave Asprey, James Swanwick, Dan Party, Dr. Kristen Camella, and Dr. Molly Maloof. So what are some of the things they went over? They talked a lot about how 
energy works to make shifts in your health and how mindset and community can play a huge role in your overall health. Um, Talked a lot about healthy mitochondria and how having healthy mitochondria can lead to healthy blood sugar metabolism and just healthy blood sugar overall. um, They talked a lot about HRV, your heart rate variability, as a metric for stress, so what you can actually measure, and how you can use that to figure out if you're in an unhealthy relationship. That's a measurable marker. And the use of yoga and meditation as forms of movement that help to make your mitochondria healthy and also balance out that stress response. Then we moved into light as food. It was funny because Josh asked, you know, could someone explain this light as food concept? And I I know he was going after, well, I'm pretty sure he was going after like how mitochondria actually consume light as their food. And then I forget who he asked, but the person totally just did not catch, catch that. And just talked about like vitamin D synthesis um, and the importance of having a proper circadian rhythm and just how a lot of people overlook this as a major factor in our health and just how like, you know, the risk for dementia, cardiovascular disease, and a ton of other health issues goes up exponentially for shift workers, pilots, and just the idea that a lot of us are living in a world of like modern shift work because we we might not actually be shift workers, but we stay up late with a lighted environment and we're working when we shouldn't be. They also talked a little bit about travel stress and what you can do to mitigate the problems when flying. Dave Asprey talked a lot about how compression pants can definitely help because when you're flying and there's less air pressure, you have water in your cells and your cells can't swell when they want to. So the compression pants help so that it like shrinks the cells so it can swell more efficiently. Blood can go to your head so you feel better. Um, They also talked about fasting on planes and how having ketones present can help people uh, feel better after a plane ride. I'm not sure how I feel about this, but you know, this is science apparently. Um, Also, when you're on the airplane, um, minimizing bright light from your sides, so trying to keep things dark. Also, Dave said that having carbonated water on an airplane can help because it helps to create more oxygen in your blood. Then we moved into the alcohol conversation, and I think, you know, if you've heard this podcast when James Swanwick is on, or if you follow James's work, he, you know, is talking about how alcohol is just detrimental to overall health and productivity, and they were talking about alcohol and how it's basically just death to your stem cells and totally disrupts your circadian rhythm. Um, if you have to drink, drinking something like tequila, vodka, gin are best, and actually, I think it was Dan Party. I'm not, I forget who it was, but it was saying that the worst offenders are actually red wine and beer. Um and just how you have those toxins in your body for at least 7 to 10 days after drinking. And just thinking about the stress that puts on the liver. The liver has to distill and filter things out, and alcohol, when it gets metabolized in the liver, is going to create aldehyde in the body. Um, They were talking about, you know, taking glutathione, ALA, NAC, taking charcoal to bind the toxins can help as well. Um, Charcoal binding to mold toxins and mycotoxins. 
Um, Then we moved into the stem cell conversation, and Dr. Kristen Camella is one of the leading researchers on stem cell therapy, and right now is basically in a lawsuit fighting for her own right to her own stem cells. We're talking about how, you know, stem cells, stem cells help people's bodies to heal, and basically the government is trying to say that stem cells are a drug, and this whole idea of medical freedom. And Dave Asprey brought up a really interesting point and was saying how Dr. Benjamin Rush was the only founding father who was a doctor and he was actually fighting for medical freedom in the Constitution. That's the only freedom that's not in the Constitution. Um, And he was kind of outvoted, which is very unfortunate as now someone like Dr. Camilla who is fighting for her right to her own stem cells. So very interesting discussion. They talked a lot of just about how the medical system is designed to make sure if you get sick, they can bill you for it. It's not necessarily designed to actually increase health. And this whole conversation around um, media and big pharma and just this idea of like, you are not vulnerable, you're not stupid, you have the right to your own body, you have the right to information, and you're the right to your own health. So that was a very interesting conversation. And then circling back to the alcohol conversation, they were just talking about how a lot of the studies that show that alcohol is healthy, it's really um, the social aspect of it. So there's that confounding variable. A lot of the countries where people drink more alcohol and they say, oh, well, health is better, so we need a moderate amount of alcohol consumption. Um, what's really giving them the health benefit is their, their, the social aspect and the great conversations around alcohol, dinnertime conversations, all of that. And this was talked about over and over again, but just that relationships are the most important factor to predict health. They touched a bit on invisible traumas and how when those are left unaddressed, um, you can get triggered and that is what can lead to different health concerns and autoimmune diseases and just all different types of health issues down the line. And of course, wrapped it up with the mTOR conversation and how we actually do need more protein as we age. It's important for muscle quality and also then, of course, the benefits of fasting when you can. They didn't really dive too deep into it, but you know. All right, the next talk I went to was called the Fix for Female Hormones panel. This panel had Dr. Danielle Pompa, Dr. Anna Kabeka, Kirsten Karkmer, I'm not sure if I'm saying these people's names right, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, Dr. Marissa Snyder. So, some of similar conversations. They talked a lot about um, how helpful it can be to cycle your macros. Um, how with women, intermittent fasting can sometimes make you tired and sluggish, or keto can do the same. That's why those don't always work for as many women. And they also were talking about just in terms of overall health and how you're feeling, that it's actually 25% what you eat and 75% your lifestyle, which, I mean, I believe it. They were pretty much in agreement that keto for women is best used as a short-term thing, but it definitely doesn't work for all women. And then Dr. Lyon was talking about, you know, HIT and how it's great for some people, but not for all. But if they can, if people can handle it, then she incorporates it. Then they got into some of the main causes of hormone issues. Number one being heavy metals. So things like silver fillings are important to look out for. It can affect your HPA axis. And with 
heavy metals, any type of detox, you just really need the right detox to get rid of that. And they were just talking about how a lot of detox protocols are actually done wrong. Then number two would be hidden infections in general. This is interesting. He was talking a lot about root canals and teeth extractions and how some people who um, don't have them done right have these hidden infections over the years and it manifests way later on. And it's like as soon as they, they kind of fix what happened in their mouths and their hormone imbalances go away. Number three, mold. This is way more common than people think. And it's hard because a lot of people don't know that they have it or sometimes they can't smell it. Um, you don't always know, but it can cause a lot of inflammation. And then also kind of just rolling back to hidden infections in general. Dr. Lyon talked a bit about um, parasites and how most of the clients that or the patients that she sees have parasites and she goes for an old school parasitologist um, who does a rectal swab and checks for parasites in that way. And that oftentimes is the cause of hormone imbalances. Then they moved into hysterectomies and just all the hysterectomies that have been happening um, and just the long-term health issues that can happen from it. And it's like women get hysterectomies and then they never sometimes are able to orgasm again. Um, and just how this is happening a lot and women aren't fully informed of their other options or what could happen if they have a hysterectomy. This reminds me a lot of all the doctors that just remove people's gallbladders for no reason. This is like a very touchy subject to get very upset about it. Um, but be informed, guys. They talked a lot about progesterone and progesterone for women with hysterectomies and just how there's actually receptors in your brain fascia all over your body, even though you don't have a uterus um, for progesterone and how progesterone is neuroprotective. And the idea that like with hysterectomy, something's wrong systemically if you need that. And it's like the same thing as getting an ablation for endometriosis. This is what they're saying um until you get to the root cause and are dealing with kind of what's what's happening systemically it will keep proliferating they also talked a lot about how after getting a hysterectomy um pelvic floor therapy can be really helpful but also that it's really important to address the emotional and physical component and that's the most overlooked piece and how if someone has hysterectomy it's really important to make sure you're getting support on that side of things they touched a little bit on HPA axis dysregulation and amenorrhea, um, just increasing calories, um, less movement, focusing on self-care. Um, again, about keto, they said maybe it's fine for four weeks or so and then to transition out of it, but that it can cause metabolic inflexibility in a lot of people. One of the panelists, I forget who, was talking about how she uses something called a keto green approach, um, which is basically like keto focusing on greens which is how I think a lot of people do do it now but like a strong plant-based keto so just a lot of greens moving back to the cycling suggesting that women do like a higher carb diet five to seven days before their period um, because we do need insulin to make certain hormone conversions so that can be really helpful um Dr. Pompa We'll talk about going high carb or high protein or high calorie during that time and cycling like that. And then when talking about hormones in general, they talked about how cortisol drives 90% of hormone issues. This is a huge issue. Chronic stress is a huge issue. Chronic stress can actually make you not as smart as you normally are. Um, it upregulates your limbic system. 
It has effects on estrogen, leptin, thyroid, insulin, and they were just talking about how you have to address HPA axis to make any headway with with hormone imbalances. They talked a lot about looking at the root cause and then, you know, natural ways to approach this with essential oils, looking at any nutrient gaps, focusing on people's personal connections in their lives. Um, things like 50 grams of rhodiola a day can be great for HPA access. Um, sometimes eating some dark chocolate for nutrient gaps, things like that. Um, let's see. They talked about alcohol. They said a glass of alcohol decreases metabolism by 70%. Interesting. More alcohol talk. Um, and just again, the importance of self-care. So some useful tactics can be deep breathing, healthy movement, journaling, um, gratitude, aromatherapy, meditating. And she gave someone, I forget who, gave a little formula for a nice essential oil blend, 12 drops of lavender, nine drops of frankincense, and nine drops of wild orange in a little rollerball, and using that to immediately mitigate stress levels because she, she was just saying, like, scientifically essential oils have been shown whether or not you like them or you believe in them, scientifically, they bring down the cortisol response in the body, so use them. That's why I love doTERRA. Okay, then Rachel and I went to this talk called Primal Sex, How to Unleash Your Most Passionate Animal with Susan Bratton. Um, and honestly, didn't really get that much out of it. <laughs> Everybody had to give each other back massages and practice their communication. Her main thing was just to make sure you communicate, um, which is very important. Let's see. She talked about using the words thank you and got it to tell your partner what you like and creating like a sexual space to enhance your sex life. Um, fun fact. Did you know this, that the sensory receptors in your feet are next to the sensory receptors for the clitoris in the brain, which is why women love foot rubs? And then she talked about kind of what's most important. So number one thing for women is grooming is most important to them. And number two is presence. So they want the, they want the man, they want to feel like the man is paying attention to them. And then she talked about, you know, different states of awareness. So we have the alpha state, the beta state, the theta state, um, those three states of awareness. And, you know, when you're in the beta state, you're really like awake, you're in your own head. And the theta state is when we're meditating, we're dreaming or orgasming. And how if you want someone to orgasm, you have to keep them in the theta state and not the beta state. Um so she was like, she basically said, leave all your manners at the door. Like they can't be thinking. Um you just have to be in that theta, like, meditative state. So, yeah, that's kind of all, all I pulled from that one. Next up went to the Paleo State of the Union, which was my favorite talk last year, I think, this talk. But um, this year, huh, I don't know. It was moderated by Michelle Norris and then Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, Rob Wolf, Dr. Kellyanne Petrucci, Chris Kresser, and Mark Sisson were on the panel. So all-star panel there. But this talk was mostly about kind of just the broken state of the healthcare system and 
this idea of cognitive contagion with all these vegan memes and just how we wasted so much money in the medical system and how everything nowadays is trigger worthy, which is so true. It's like no one can say anything anymore without it triggering someone. They touched a bit on politics. This was a big topic and how the way we're really going to make change is by electing someone who wants to actually change the food system and the healthcare system. And so they talked about um, Tim Ryan, who was also at Paleo FX. They did a little chat with him, which I didn't go to, but just how his platform very much aligns with the paleo paradigm. And he recognizes the issues with our food system and our healthcare system. But they did talk about how, you know, people are starting to listen. Like, nowadays avocados and butter are harder to get the grocery store because they're in higher demand and actually our soda consumption has as a nation has decreased by a lot we're at a a lower soda consumption than in most years before and I talked a bit about you know lunch programs in school Rob Wolf talked about maybe going out of the country and starting elsewhere to make some actual change um I don't know. This is a complicated topic. I'm like, we can't give up on America. Come on. But I think it was Chris Kresser who was saying, you know, you go to a dietetics conference and the booths there are Nestle and Pepsi. So like, what does this have to say about what we're, what we're teaching dietitians in this, in this nation and just how all of these companies and big pharma just have their hands in too many places, especially with politicians and big pharma like they just they control them it's ugh, makes me upset i'm not a, a politics person but you know and that's why just the importance of like to make change electing a politician who will stand up against this issue and you know big pharma has total control over the fda like what i was ta- and what i was talking about before with the stem cell therapy how we don't even have the right according to the government to our own stem cells a lot of these issues i think i just didn't like this talk because it was depressing and yeah. <laughs> so that was the end of day one. Quite the day. I was very tired after day one, but a lot of fun. And of course, in between, I was going around to different booths and um, finding some new products and also just meeting up with brands that I already know and love. And it's nice to like talk to founders and, you know, people who I speak with in marketing from different companies. And I was super excited that I got to meet the team from Beekeepers Natural. As you guys know, I absolutely love that brand and they are so fun and sweet, pun intended. So while I was there, I restocked on some of my absolute favorite products. If you don't know about Beekeepers Naturals, they are a wellness company that specializes in harnessing the power of the beehive. They make a line of very effective supplements and remedies, superfoods that can help to solve a wide variety of different health challenges. A lot of people don't realize how powerful and effective and healing bee products can be. <laughs> all these puns I can't take it as I'm just talking it naturally comes out but honestly I'm just obsessed with these products I obviously brought my propolis throat spray with me because I always bring it when I travel I take it every day and then I'll double up when I'm traveling or I feel like I'm gonna get sick the propolis throat spray is like nature's antibiotic it's called a bodyguard in a bottle for a reason 
bee propolis has incredible germ-fighting properties and contains over 300 beneficial vitamins, minerals, and compounds. It is the immune system of the hive, truly. So it's great for prevention and or immune support. It can also really help to soothe any sore throats and coughs. And I was not sleeping as much as I would have liked while I was there. So it was really important for me to double, triple up on my bee propolis. The container is also TSA friendly, so it's great for travel, but also just great if you are stressed out, not sleeping a lot, um, you're an athlete and you're kind of run down. That's the ultimate immune support and one of my absolute favorites. While I was there, I also stocked up on their Bee Chill Hemp Honey, which comes in both jars and sticks. So the sticks are great for on the go, but it's a honey product that is formulated with a high potency hemp oil and MCT emulsion. So it's going to really maximize that bioavailability and absorption in the body. And this is not one of those scam products where they put like one drop of CBD in the product and then label it. You are going to get 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon. That's 20 milligrams per honey stick. So you can relax, chill out. I love having a bit of honey right before I go to sleep. Um, And so the bee chill is great because you get to chill out and have that hit of honey. And of course, this is this is hemp oil, so non-psychoactive, 0% THC, tastes delicious. I'm obsessed with this stuff. Another product I stocked up on was the Beelixir Brain Fuel, which is great if you want to just really enhance your cognition. It helps to enhance your memory, your focus. My brain just feels like it's on fire in the best way possible. It's a really powerful nootropic formula. It has natural compounds like royal jelly ginkgo and more. There's no caffeine. So it's great for fighting brain fog, enhancing concentration, but you're not going to get any of those jitters. So I think it's a great alternative to coffee. And of course, the bee-powered hive superfood complex. This is like my daily supplement that tastes delicious. This is their blend that has propolis for the immune support. It contains brain-nourishing, skin-beautifying royal jelly bee pollen for its energy, and of course, their signature raw enzymatic honey. This is real honey, real deal. It is so delicious. You can drizzle it over your food, or you can take just a teaspoon in the morning for a sustained energy throughout the day as your daily, quote, supplement. I'm honestly addicted to the stuff, and while I was at the booth, they mentioned mixing some of the honey, especially the cacao honey, with some almond butter and drizzling it on top of something. Oh my word, that is the move, you guys. That is the move. So if you're ready to try Beekeepers Naturals products or want to learn more about it, just go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash CRW and you can use my discount code CRW for 15% off of your purchase. So again, that's beekeepersnaturals.com slash CRW, B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E, R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash C-R-W and you can get 15% off of your order with the discount code C-R-W. So of course I was happy to see that booth restock on all my faves and connect with the team over at Beekeepers Naturals because they're just good people. They're so fun. I wish they lived in San Diego so we could hang out. Anyways, let's move on to day two. Okay, then I went to the Great Diet Debate panel, which I was super 
excited about. Um, the moderator was Keith Norris, and the panel members were Dr. Kellyanne Petrucci, Dr. Joel Kahn, Sean Wells, Sean Baker, and Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And just like, in case you're not familiar with all of those people, um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is known for, you know, more of a high-protein approach, although what she thinks is high-protein, I think is normal protein, but I love her. Um, and then Sean Baker is known for the, the carnivore diet. Um, I'm not sure what, I know he's writing a book, I think called The Carnivore Diet, but he's kind of like the one who popularized it, um, Dr. Sean Baker. And then Dr. Joel Kahn is like a very popular plant-based he doesn't like the term vegan he likes whole foods plant-based doctor and he was the one who debated chris kresser on joe rogan um a few months ago if you guys saw that i'm not really as familiar with sean wells like his nutritional paradigm but i seen more it seemed like sean wells and dr petrucci were the ones that are more kind of like you know, moderate, like classic paleo, like eat vegetables, healthy animal proteins. Yeah. Basically you had Sean Baker and Joel Kahn on opposite sides of the spectrum. And it was, (laughs) it was really interesting. I was very excited because I thought this is going to be like super spicy. And I was very excited to see some heated debate go on. I didn't get the heated debate that I wanted. Unfortunately, I felt like they were just trying to keep it so PC and I wish I had gotten into the fiber debate like but they weren't going there instead I felt like it was just a lot of they were focusing on what they agree on which like come on you guys I'm there for a debate I already know basically the point was like anything is better than the standard American diet like uh whatever. Okay. Let me read my notes. Let's see what I wrote wrote down. Um, so the great diet debate, what's the best diet? They were talking about how, you know, some of them are saying that, well, not some of them. I think it was Sean Wells who was saying how it can depend on the environment, what he thinks the best diet for someone is. Um, but basically everyone was agreeing, well, not everybody, but that there's no one in nature who's eating a high fat and high glycemic carb diet aka processed food standard american diet which is why that just doesn't make that just doesn't make sense for us something else that was brought up that was super interesting is the fact that in nature animals are usually only eating one macronutrient at a time versus how we eat now we typically you know we'll fill our plate with veggies um different carbohydrate amounts, a healthy fat, some animal products. But in nature, animals just eat one macronutrient usually at a time, and our ancestors probably did the same. I love that they moved into the topic of like science and scientific proof. This is something that I'm super passionate about and just that, well, I don't remember which one of them said it exactly, but someone made a statement. If you think you know scientific proof, don't trust it because science is always wrong. That's why we keep growing and finding new things. And also a lot of quote science is population-based recommendations. Um, So we see problems there. I think nutrition arguments just get really dicey because people are just quoting the science, the science, the science, but science um, sometimes isn't totally valid. We don't always know all the science. It can be shown to be wrong. So I don't know. That's a limiting belief in my opinion. Anyways, then we got into the importance of protein. And this is kind of where Dr. Gabrielle Lyon shines when she talks about how 
plant protein is not the same as animal protein. And she always gives really great examples to illustrate this. So for example, four ounces of steak, the the amount of protein you would get from four ounces of steak, you need to eat six cups of quinoa to get there. And also this whole idea of supplementing, like humans weren't designed to supplement to make their way through things, which is kind of what they were arguing with Dr. Khan about because, I mean, you can't be healthy as a vegan without supplementing. And this is kind of what Dr. Baker kept bringing up is that, you know, humans shouldn't have to supplement to be healthy. Sean Wells and gave a great example of, you know, comparing whey versus wheat protein and that you actually need twice as much wheat to get the same muscle synthesis as you would from whey protein. And the point he was making that you really need enough leucine in the diet. Um, Also, just talking about different studies and studies against animal products that most are done on poor forms of protein, like we're looking at concentrated animal feeding operations, just not high-quality grass-fed, pasture-raised animal protein. And the type of fat that you find in grass-fed pastured meats is totally different than that which you would find in regular conventional meats, um, especially the CLA. You can actually eat less of high-quality protein and get you know, everything you need. So get the higher quality because you can eat less of it um, and get more out of it. They also touched on the spiritual aspect of this, which I think is really important. I definitely believe, but Dr. Petrucci was talking about how the fear of the animal before getting slaughtered affects the quality of the animal product. So when an animal is scared and unhappy um, and tortured before it dies, it's completely different than an animal that is killed humanely and not afraid and actually Keith Norris brought up the difference between like you know in hunting a clean drop versus a a wounded animal and actually that when the animal is wounded and it's running and adrenaline is pumping through the blood you can actually taste the difference in, in the the animal products when you eat it which is super interesting because I mean I don't hunt so I've never experience that, but I definitely believe that. I mean, we know that the health of the animal is going to transfer to us and that goes along with their, their, like the spiritual side of it and the emotional side of it as well. Oh, and Joel Kahn slid in uh, a little, a little shade and made some comment that he doesn't, he won't wear leather boots. <laughs> and Sean Baker looks down and he's wearing these, these leather boots. He like, looks down and lifts his feet up. Oh my God. Classic. Then moved into the environmental side of things, talking about how we can't have agriculture without animals. I think this is something most of us are familiar with, thanks to the work of Diana Rogers. Um, and then also, you know, in terms of quality, Sean Baker brought up, you know, meeting people where they're where they're at. Like from his perspective, he's saying he would rather somebody eat low quality meat and just an all meat carnivore diet than eat a standard American diet of just crap. Um, which I definitely think that's an important part of the equation. He was just talking about how. You know, the people who can afford to get the highest quality definitely should, but also there are people who are living in the inner city who can't afford the best quality meat. And at that point, um, you know, you have you have to meet them where they're at. And 
in his in his mind he would rather them eat animal products that aren't as high quality uh conventional conventionally sourced rather than some processed food they get at the store and then of course circling back to veganism dr khan was talking about how there's a huge difference between processed vegan food and whole foods which is why he's really adamant about calling what he does whole food plant-based um and that's what he promotes. He doesn't promote processed food veganism, which is definitely an important thing to, like, recognize. But, I mean, there's still deficiencies. And that's what Dr. Petrucci brought up. She was talking about how, you know, she sees in her practice vegetarian diets with deficiencies. By the time they show up, you already have a lot of cognitive problems, long-term health issues. They've already taken hold. Um, it's sort of too late. And she was saying that she sees a deficiency in literally everyone who follows a vegan vegetarian diet, especially from a younger age. And especially in terms of brain health, she was talking about how it's really important for everybody to check their C-reactive protein levels and their omega-3 levels. Um, checking B vitamins, folate, and another concern from uh, a vegan approach, especially if it's a high-carb diet, is just insulin itself can destroy the brain. You know, we call Alzheimer's diabetes type 3 nowadays. And I forget if it was Sean Wells or Sean Baker, but one of them was saying that if everybody um, tracked hemoglobin A1C and CRP in this country, it would completely change the health of the nation, which is very interesting and probably true. They did touch on the topic of protein overconsumption. Does that tax the kidneys? That there's there's no evidence of that, but also what is excess? These terms are thrown around and there's no real definition. Um, let's see. A bit about Meatless Mondays and Sean Baker was just saying that, you know, it's probably not actually helping because it's probably just teaching kids that meat is wrong, which isn't the issue, but a lot of them were just saying that they're worried because we look at things like like the low-fat conundrum and how it took us 50 years to realize our mistake with that dietary recommendation and all the long-term health implications that had, and they're just worried, like, what mistake are we making now in schools? Like, is this Meatless Monday movement going to be the mistake that we look back in 50 years and think, shit, <laughs> what did we do? But at the end of the day, they all agree that processed foods need to be out and that's kind of what we need to focus on. And that whole foods in general are definitely the way to go and just the problems that are created when we have a processed foods diet, those processed foods really impede our ability to absorb nutrients. Um, even when we have polyphenols added to the diet, it's going to compete with mineral absorption and just whole foods is what everyone agrees on, which I can as well. You know, they're just saying they all believe in whole foods, whether that be vegan, whole food, plant-based diet on Joel Kahn's side or carnivore, only eating meat, Sean Baker's side or somewhere in the middle. That was the consensus. So that's kind of how it was left. I thought that, I mean, it was definitely a good panel, I suppose, but I just felt like it could have been spicier, could have gotten some more arguments. I really wanted there to be more about gut health. And what bothers me is that Joel Kahn just never answers questions directly. Like, 
how can you defend the fact that you have to supplement? Like, if you have to supplement to be healthy in this way of eating, how can you say? Oh, man. He just dodges every question and just turns it around into like, well, what we all agree on is that whole foods are the most important thing. And like, I felt like this was a common theme at the at the panels at Paleo FX. Like, you don't have to convince us. Like, we're there because we already agree on this. But, like, I want more of the interesting nutrition debate between you two um, or between the group of them. But, yeah, it was definitely a good talk. I think they could have gone a little bit further. It was actually really cool. One woman came up and, like, shared her story of how going carnivore completely changed her life and got rid of her health issues, which is awesome. And she was saying how she totally believes that genetics play a lot into it because she was saying how she knows so she has friends who live um a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle and thrive but for her it was causing her so many health issues and i think that's just an important thing to consider in general like where did you come from where your ancestors from what are your genetics like very important but that was a good one for sure you could definitely sense the tension on the stage and i thought it was so funny that joel con so it was like joel con on the end dr lion who's pregnant so like she's protected and then <laughs> and then sean baker in the middle and then dr petrucci and then sean wells on the other end and it was like i felt like dr Lyon, like she had to like pr- she had to be the buffer between sean baker and joel Kahn. i could just feel the heat there i could just feel the heat and like i was watching sean baker's face the whole time <laughs> when Joel Kahn was talking. Priceless, priceless. So yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. Then I went to hear Dr. Alan Christensen talk. That was called Metabolism. Is it all about the liver? I'm obsessed with the liver. And I love Dr. Christensen's work. I think he is like, he should be better known than I feel like he is in this space. I mean, he's well known, but I think in the pop culture realm he's not as much but he is very intelligent and I just I love his work a lot so um let's see obviously this is all about the liver and he was actually talking about ketosis at the beginning and how the liver can't turn ketones to fuel so it it turns them back into more triglycerides which is why sometimes if you have a compromised liver, people can gain weight if they're on a ketogenic diet for a long time. Um, then he went into a lot of, this was a very sciencey talk. So I'm not going to get into too much of the nitty gritty. He was talking about different types of fat on the body um, and how you know certain types are more dangerous than others. And we have subcutaneous fat and visceral fat. Um, and... Actually, we are the only land mammals with subcutaneous fat, which is super interesting. But how sometimes holding onto fat is a defense mechanism for safety. So sometimes inflamed visceral fat will swell so the cells can get bigger and then take in more fuel. And that is a safety mechanism in the body. And then he was just talking about all the different ways that fat can build up in the liver. We moved into, I posted this on stories. Um, He was talking about de novo lipogenesis, which is basically... A metabolic pathway and in normal circumstances it will convert any extra carbohydrates into fatty acids but he was saying how there's actually a limit that research is showing there's a limit to how much how many carbs can turn to fat in the body but it was not clear to me what happens to them 
So I feel like that was that wasn't fully explained. But let's see. The overarching theme of this was kind of that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is much more prevalent than people think and that a lot of people struggle with this and this is going to make it so that you know even if they're living a very healthy lifestyle and eating really well nutrient-dense diet and they are exercising and managing their stress sometimes they still won't get the results they want in terms of weight loss is really what he was talking about um, just because the liver is so compromised. And so looking at the liver as the the root cause of kind of what's going on and how you need to reset the liver in order to reset your metabolism. And looking at different markers of non-alcoholic fatty liver, um, he was saying that actually height to waist ratio is the strongest predictor of early non-alcoholic fatty liver without biopsy versus um, something like BMI and waist-hip ratio are actually worse predictors. And the height-to-waist ratio is actually also a better predictor for just overall health span and brain aging. And he was actually saying that the problem is more of a fuel overload um, versus a calorie overload and that fats and carbs are interchangeable in that sense. And the sense that it's like if you're just getting too much fuel, um, no matter if it's fat or carbs, that is what can cause issues with um, liver and metabolism. So what are some of the drivers of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Extreme diets, excluding multiple food categories, um, going too low in glucose, going too low in protein, Poor sleep. Um, he's talking about how gluconeogenesis can actually occur from erratic cortisol levels um, and how important deep sleep is. Uh, what else? Going too low in nutrients like DHA, folate, magnesium, selenium, zinc, and then looking at toxins, lead, mercury, alcohol, PCBs, etc. Hormonally, it's really important to look at the HPA axis, and um, he went into you know how the liver is gonna help make cortisol. Um, the adrenals are making cortisone and some cortisol, but the liver is really what's converting the cortisone to cortisol. And then when you're looking at sort of signs and what can happen, underactive thyroid, um, fatigue, mood changes, erratic appetite, insomnia hypothalamic amenorrhea. It all sounds a little too familiar. And he talked about how just a caloric deficit alone can hurt the liver for too long. So this is where we're looking at all of the the dieters, the dieting era can cause liver dysfunction. So he's suggesting his metabolism reset diet. He has a whole book on this. Um, it incorporates parts of a protein sparing modified fast, daily shakes, and then an evening meal. And all about, you know, um, building up your sleep. He uses little micro workouts. Um, he has a whole protocol that you can find in his book, but he also was talking about this idea of a leaky liver and how people can develop a leaky liver from not eating enough carbs. Um, and so he uses resistant starch and believes in getting 20 grams of resistant starch throughout the day. He was talking about something called glycogen storage disease, where some people just they have a really hard time keeping weight off because they have this glycogen storage disease and the resistant starch actually works well because it helps them sleep through the night. But just overall looking at 
the liver um, for people who struggle with their weight, their appetite, their energy, their digestion, and starting there. And I mean, the liver is pretty cool. It's the only organ that can actually regenerate completely in the body in 28 days. It can regenerate. Um, this was also just really related to kind of low carb struggles, and this seemed to be a theme that popped up a lot. I felt like it was funny how last year was so keto focused and this year everyone was kind of talking about well not everyone but a good amount of people were talking about the downsides to long-term ketogenic diets um and yeah this whole thing about the low carb myth so you know that and how just low carb diets long term can cause actually metabolic damage and then talking about exercise um you know he's just saying how you can't exercise your way out of weight struggles because exercise is actually a stress to the body so he recommends his little micro workouts all that's explained in his book um and just also how the process of losing weight itself is a stress on the liver so thinking about that as well so basically resistant starch shakes easing easing up on the liver micro workouts just check out his book if you want all the things Okay, and then I saw Dr. Ann Shippey, and she talked about mold. It, her talk was called It Might Be Mold, The Hidden Toxicity Holding Back Your Health. So this talk was all about kind of like if you're still you're doing paleo and you're still not feeling good, what's going on? And so she starts off by saying, you know, are you doing paleo in a healthy way, making sure you are getting plenty of vegetables, no animal dairy, um, avoiding sugar and refined carbs and any copycat food are the first things to to check into if you're just eating all paleo treats. But then looking into environmental toxicities like pesticides, heavy metals, outgassing personal products but of course mold and how this is really becoming a big deal nowadays as more and more people are figuring out that mold is at the root of their health issues I mean for me I had mold too and just talking about how mold isn't always obvious and a lot of doctors just aren't aware of mold as a major health risk and a lot of times people like they don't see it. Sometimes you do find it, but it can be behind your wallpaper and your wall and your air conditioning. It's not always visible. Sometimes it's behind the dishwasher. You just can't always, you can't always tell. You can't always smell it. You can't always see it. So it can be hard to track down. And how do these toxins get into our bodies, through our GI tract, our lungs, our mucus layers, um, skin? And mycotoxins are actually more toxic than pesticides in case you didn't know that. There's also a lot of mold on food nowadays, unfortunately, and eating paleo helps with that a lot, but there's still plenty of other paleo-friendly moldy foods. There are so many different symptoms of mold, neurological symptoms, headaches, um, twitching, brain fog, memory loss, lower executive function, dementia, ADHD, ADD, depression, anxiety, irritability, movement disorders, balance and coordination problems, dizziness, um, sensory sensitivities, behavioral problems. There are immune issues that can trigger autoimmune disorders. You can have recurrent yeast infections, chronic infections like Lyme and Epstein-Barr virus, cancer. Um, you can get muscle pain, joint pain, um, digestive issues like sugar cravings, loss of appetite, heartburn, nausea, bloating, weight loss from malabsorption, unexplained weight gain, food sensitivities, uh, a metallic taste in your mouth, IBD, um, excessive thirst or dehydration. 
You can get hair loss, um, fatigue, insomnia, night sweats. Then there could be hypothyroidism, miscarriages, birth defects, um, chronic stress response. And then in terms of skin, you could be looking at hives, rashes, eczema, psoriasis, allergies, asthma, chronic cough, nosebleeds, the list goes on. And what's hard is that mold toxicity causes different symptoms in different people in different time frames. So this is why people could be living in the same house that's moldy, and maybe some people have more severe symptoms than others. People probably have different symptoms than others, and they might show up at different times with different severity levels. And again, many people don't even notice any symptoms for a long time, and maybe it shows up later, or maybe some people never show the symptoms. But Detox is the critical piece because you have so many toxins coming in. In terms of testing, she recommended testing for the environment with blackmoldscan.com, realtimelab.com, or envirobiomics.com, and then testing for the body with Great Plains Lab Laboratory, greatplainslaboratory.com. Sorry, I was trying to shorten that. Um, realtimelab.com, vibrant-america.com, or progenedx.com. And then in terms of how, how do you deal with this? Um, avoiding the mold, obviously, so move or remediate the home, remove any contaminated items, avoid any moldy environments, and avoid environmental toxins in general, like pesticides, formaldehyde, fragrances, plastics, chemicals, metals, EMFs, and so on. And then focusing on what she calls a paleo plus diet, so low inflammatory foods, high in phytonutrients, focusing on detoxifying foods and healthy fats. So you definitely want to avoid alcohol, sugar, fruit, grains, gluten, dairy, um, any moldy and fermented foods, kombucha, processed meats, all of those. And in terms of supplementation, looking at glycine, liposomal glutathione, um, some binder like a charcoal or clay, um, modified citrus pectin, which can be good, especially for people with constipation, um, chlorella, some type of liver support like milk thistle, NAC, and then dietary fiber. And then to go a step further um, for detox, looking at clay and magnesium salt baths, infrared sauna, hyperbarics. Um, and then in terms of prevention, she's talking about the importance of how we need to we have need to have new building guidelines. So we need to look at the materials we're using, the ventilation, um, humidity control, avoiding wallpaper in general, and then also more preventative maintenance. So sealing, water heater checks, um, HVAC checks, checking outside grating or drains, um, and then in terms of water leaks, any water intrusion or leaks need to be fixed and dried within 48 hours. Um, we need to really focus on healthy schools and workplaces and just focusing a lot more on the testing and the research because there is so much we still don't know about mold, but more and more people are figuring out that this is unfortunately um, the root cause of their health issues. Like <laughs> so many things, I swear, heavy metals and mold are often at the root. Um, so yeah, that was that was a good one. Okay, next I went to a mastermind panel called Your Healthy Gut Microbiome, and the moderator was Dr. Kirk Parsley, and then the panel included Dr. Perlmutter, Dr. Tom O'Brien, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, Dr. Michael Ruscio, and Dr. Grace Liu. I'm going to be totally honest, just got to keep it real. Um, I mean, I'm not sure who Dr. Kirk Parsley is. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but this was moderated very poorly, and I was very disappointed in that because, like, this was a powerhouse panel, and it just was not, yeah. 
honestly, so many of these things I was watching, I'm like, can I moderate this? Because I want to ask the juicy questions, but can't win them all. Can't win them all. Anyways, first he just kind of went around and asked them. I think he just asked them like what they're into or like what's the main thing they wanted to talk about. Each each person, um, Dr. Ruscio was talking about how on a paleo diet, there are often sometimes people still run into gut issues with the paleo diet. There's sometimes be paleo foods that aren't healthy in the context of that person's body. So maybe regularly healthy foods are causing them gut issues. And he said that if you're still not getting results, to look into low histamine diet and low FODMAP diet. Uh, we rolled into a little bit how, you know, the gut affects all the other parts of the bodies. I think it was Perlmutter who was obviously, I'm sure it was Perlmutter talking about um, the connection between the gut and the brain. You have antibodies attacking the gut. This can cause to blocks in the brain. And then um, a little bit more about blood sugar and, micro- and the microbiome. So how the microbiome, the diversity of our microbiome is directly related to blood sugar response to food. Um, prebiotics were a big topic of conversation this year. Dr. Ballantyne talked a bit about um, birth and the, how helpful it is to have a natural delivery when you're setting up a child's microbiome for success. Um, and she talked a lot about breastfeeding and she was saying it's actually optimal to breastfeed until the child is age five, but we have all of these societal barriers that stop us from doing what, what is optimal. And also this idea of like, we wash our hands too much and that disrupts our microbiome. We need to play in the dirt more. Um, people don't need to wash their hands so much. And then this connection between the microbiome and mood. So how is that connected when our microbiome is disrupted? That leads to inflammation in the body and that can affect our mood. We talked a bit about SIBO and how you have an increased risk of SIBO when you have a thyroid condition, but also those with SIBO have higher levels of Hashimoto's. So it's kind of a a cycle there, but there's definitely that connection with the thyroid and SIBO. And Dr. Risha talks about that a lot on his podcast. So I definitely recommend tuning in if you want, if you want more on that. Um, And then also he's discussing, you know, this connection between H. pylori and Hashimoto's antibodies, and they were saying how when you when you treat H. pylori, oftentimes you see a reduction in Hashimoto's antibodies. And in terms of autoimmune disease, how does it, how does this develop? So number one, you have a gene that predisposes you for this. Then you have the environmental trigger. Then number three, you have a compromised gut microbiome. Number four, intestinal permeability. Number five, systemic inflammation, systemic immune response, and then this becomes an autoimmune disease. And then when talking about building up the gut microbiome, um, Dr. Tom O'Brien was talking about how important it is to buy root vegetables because you need the different fiber components to feed the different classes of bacteria. And he was just all about like, you need all these different root vegetables um, to feed bacteria properly. And then Sarah Ballantyne was speaking a bit to, you know, how quickly can you build up your your diversity, your microbial diversity. And she was saying, you know, it can just take three to four days of eating, you know, you eat three to four cups of vegetables and you can increase your microbiome diversity immensely. Um, 
And another really important thing that you can implement is fish oil supplementation. She said it could just take two weeks of that to see improvement. And then all these other things that that can affect our the diversity of our of our microbiomes, including exercise, sun exposure, sleep, and then even things like vacuuming, using a sponge, having a plant can increase your diversity in your gut. And then Dr. Ruscio spoke a little bit to, um, you know, the small intestine and how, you know, low FODMAP diets, you get less diversity, but you also get less inflammation. So you have to kind of meet, meet the person where they're at. And then um, talked a little bit to Dr. Grace Liu and like what, what she is into. And <laughs> her whole thing was just about um, erections. And what she's focusing on in her research is that, you know, a lot of men don't have proper function they have a hard time getting boners and yeah so she said this there is a lot of problems here with male executives and a lot of athletes have have poor function um and so she's working on how do you get them having erections on their own again and i've heard a lot of people talking about this this is like a bigger issue going on also in terms of like heavy metals and a lot of young men are just like they, they need Viagra to get a boner, which is a problem. I think a lot of people think that like this fertility issue we're facing is a women's issue. And it's actually, um, I would argue, a bigger issue with men. Men just aren't really talking about it. But anyways, she was talking about, you know, the way she gets there she gets them functioning properly again is by focusing on their gut health. And she was like, the best thing someone can do is take a really good probiotic and focus on their gut health in general and resolve any dysbiosis and all of that. So, you know, if you're a guy listening and you want a better boner, support your gut health. And if you're a girl and your guy just needs some help, get him a probiotic kind of wrapped up talking about you know you know a lot of patients come in and they they say I've exhausted all my options I don't know what to do and they just want to give up um or they're turning to something more intense like a fecal matter transplant or something like that um and this is actually something that I see all the time too and a lot of other practitioners do is someone comes to you and they tell you that they've tried everything and they're going to give up and they've been on this journey for years and I know what a struggle it is but almost every single time I mean no one's ever come to me and said that and then I'm like well we haven't tried this yet you know and that's what Dr. Ruscio was saying too like people come to him all the time and say that but there are still plenty of things left to try um and something that he's super excited about is immunoglobulin studies um that he said 75% of people who weren't responding to any other treatments with their gut were responding to that type of treatment. And he has a really awesome product that I've actually been um, trying out and I think it's awesome. It's called intestinal repair formula on his website. Um, and I have, I started trying that a couple months ago. It's, I think it's on back order right now, but I'm sure it'll be back in stock soon, but um, that's a really cool therapy. If you've tried everything with your gut and nothing's working, um, yeah, and then they kind of just circled back together with with this idea of mood disorders and brain function um, all being r- related to the gut. So if you are struggling with brain fog or any type of mood disturbance or mental health issue, looking at your gut as the root cause. Okay, then I went to a chat with Dr. Daniel Pompa, and this was called Hormone Optimization, the Key for Thyroid Diabetes in Women Struggling with Fasting or Low-Carb Diets. 
And it was just kind of about the problems with low-carb diets for women and thyroid challenges. And I think this was probably my favorite, my favorite one the whole time just because it was jam-packed with information. Daniel Pompa is a great speaker and he needs more like... I don't know. People need to pay attention to him more. He's awesome. Like, he doesn't have a huge following on social media, but he should because he is legit and he's a good speaker. This is jam packed with knowledge and information, and everyone was like, yes, yes. And like, a lot of what he was describing has happened to so many women. Um, so let's see. He started talking about, you know, we're talking about ketogenic diets and fasting and low carb diets in general. And he said that there's Four problems when it comes to low-carb diets long-term um, causing weight loss resistance, like four reasons why. So he's just, you know, talking about how a lot of people notice that on low-carb diets long-term or a lot of intermittent fasting women and men, but this was about women, notice muscle loss and fat storage over a long period of time. So sometimes they get success at the beginning and then they start to develop thyroid issues, adrenal issues, and weight loss resistance. So problem number one is that during a low-carb diet, um, the body's going to try to preserve its fuel supply for survival. It's going to slow lipolysis by taking more water into the fat cells, just blunting insulin receptors to hold on to that precious fat. And thinking if this is the only fuel I'm getting, I will be more and more conservative with it. So then you start to actually store fat. Problem number two, low insulin can actually increase glucose. So insulin turns off gluconeogenesis. So when you have really low insulin, this can cause glucose to rise and that can lead to muscle loss and weight loss resistance. So what's the solution to that? The solution are random feast days. So he loves the idea of one to two feast days a week, which would be either high carb days, high protein days, or just high calorie days to help to stimulate mTOR once or twice a week. And like this is classic in the bodybuilding world. They figured this out how to manipulate their metabolisms. But those random feast days where you're upping your, your calories, whether it be via or just upping carbs or protein or calories um, is a solution to that. Problem number three, hormone conversion, proper hormone conversion needs insulin. So this is relevant for people with thyroid issues and also people with estrogen imbalances. So um, how T4 has to convert to T3 and we need insulin to make that conversion. And then also that estrogen needs insulin. So when it's when you have really low insulin, that can cause hormonal dysfunction and we might not be able to convert enough of the hormone. Again, looking at monthly, weekly, seasonal cycling um, of your macronutrients and feast days. He also is a big proponent of high carb diet, like like going higher carb before your period if you're a woman. Um, so his different hacks were these different feast famine cycle. So one option that he gave would be something to do a weekly 511 for you. So you do five days of intermittent fasting, 16 hour fast. Um, and then you could do one 24 hour fast a day. That's the one. And then one feast day. So basically be like, you're eating normal, like lower carb, higher fat with intermittent fasting for five days of the week, one day a week that you have a 24 hour fast, 
and then one day a week you're feasting. So the feast means like you're eating at least three meals and um, you're increasing your carbs or protein by, you should be having one, what was it? 100 to 200 grams, I think I wrote down. Yeah, of either carbs or protein if you don't usually do that. Um, another option he gave was a monthly cycle. So five to seven days a month of higher carb or higher protein. And then the rest you're just eating how you normally would. And then three seasonal cycling. So maybe three to four months of keto with intermittent fasting and then three to four months of higher, healthier, like higher carb with healthy carbs. So looking at one to 200 grams a day of those. And why does the cycling work? Because our bodies are meant to adapt or die and survival is our number one priority. So major diet shifts are going to drive that survival adaptation mechanism, which is kind of what we need to keep our bodies and our metabolisms on its toes. Um, same thing with exercise, how we know that we need to rotate our routine if we want to keep getting good results. If you do the exact same exercise, like you never change it, you're not going to keep progressing. Um, and also this idea of cycling macros, like sometimes your cells become resistant to the hormones, like this is insulin resistance, right? So you want to make sure your cells hear those hormones the same way our microbiome needs to adapt, our metabolism, our mitochondria. Our DNA is programmed to adapt to these changes. Our genes can change for survival. Our body wants to survive, so we want to take advantage of that. So he was kind of talking about how we have two different like metabolic pathways, two different things going on in the body. So on one side of the equation, you have mTOR, which is like cell replication. This is an anabolic pathway and people are afraid of mTOR. But the problem is only if you're there for too long, but we need this. And this is this would be when you're when you're feasting, when you're increasing calories, when you're higher carb or you're higher protein. And by high carb, high protein, once again, he was saying one to 200 grams a day. Um, and then on the other side of things, you have autophagy, which is your cellular cleaning process. This is catabolic state. Um, how do you enter into autophagy? Fasting, restricting your calories, either like partially or some type of fasting, like mim a fasting mimicking diet or totally. And then um, a low carb diet with a keto or a low protein diet, like under 20 grams. Um, that's really low protein. Those are all different ways to stimulate autophagy. But the, what he's saying is you can't be in either phase too long. Um, you want to switch off in between them. Um, and he was also talking about, you know, with the fasting, the, the thing with problem people have and the mistake they make is that you don't want to eat less. You just want to eat less often. So you do want to eat to feeling full. You just want to eat less often and compress the feeding window in his his opinion, and he just goes back to that the key is all about alternating feasting and famine, like a feast and famine stage. You need both to drive healing, is what he was saying. Um, and then what's the fourth problem? Cellular toxicity affects your hormones. So sometimes people see success with low-carb diets. Um, they might lose some weight, but then they also might just start gain weight, and they might get results with fasting and then start to have the opposite. His solution, he calls biohack two, is cellular detox, a proper detox. Um, metals in, he was talking about metals and how there's metals in saline solution in your contacts. Like, that can get into your brain when you're putting that in your eyes, which is crazy. Just how toxins are everywhere and toxins can accumulate in the pituitary gland, um, in your hypothalamus. You have inorganic mer mercury, 
um, stuck up there, heavy metals, lead, and just how lead can, you know, move through generations. It takes four generations to get rid of lead exposure, which is crazy. But these toxins can make their way to our fatty membranes, the fatty cell membranes, drive inflammation, cause issues with our cell receptors, and toxins will trigger certain genes to turn on. So it's about getting to the root cause. And he brought up again, like, problems with, like, wisdom teeth removal and a lot of stealth infections that come from that. People think that they get their wisdom teeth out and nothing happens, but there's... um, still cavitation and people will finally get rid of that and then all of their hormone problems go away but he was just talking about how you really need to detox the cells and then you need to catch it in the gut and going back to this idea of a stress bucket we have physical stressors chemical stressors emotional stressors and this is also why problems with too much too much fasting can lead to issues and like when our toxic bucket is full all these things play into each other um so he was just talking all about detox and i know he has a whole detox program on his website okay next was this talk about spirituality it was called spirituality of being it was a panel and the the people on the panel were paul check whitney miller mike bledsoe giselle coy ta witty and michelle norris was moderating and Damn, this was this was a mood. This was a vibe. I was into this. This was this one was my favorite. Like this and Dr. Pompa's one I just talked about were definitely my my two favorite talks for sure. And I think everyone who went here was like moved. I mean, you can't be at like you can't listen to Paul Check and not just like die of happiness, honestly. He's amazing. With these types of spirituality talks, so much of it is not necessarily like health information I'm conveying back to you, so it's just not the same. Like, you kind of have to be there to have experienced it and what they're saying um, and the advice they're giving. But, I mean, just the general gist is that thinking about this idea of being versus doing and what happens when you're in one phase instead of the other so we are always being like we are always beings and then doing we like to swing to extremes and like either just be always doing 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 and then always just being um but we create things by doing things so it's about finding the medium between being and doing and just this this idea of extremes and swinging to different sides of the pendulum um and these dichotomies we see like balancing the feminine and the masculine, the yin and the yang, and how we need to just find this marriage of being and doing, and how a lot of people are fighting to be or to do, and just to stop fighting it. Paul Check, I think, was the one who said, you know, the Bible says, I create both the light and the dark, which he used to illustrate that point. Um, then we moved into a bit about gratitude and just the daily practice of gratitude and how important that is. And I think it was Paul again who said, what is worship but gratitude? And he said this, he goes, if you don't worship, you get a worship. And it's just the importance of gratitude in our lives and how all religions have this spiritual worship practice. Um, And, you you know, no matter what religion you have, there needs to be some type of worship in the sense of like gratitude. What are you thankful for? 
And this idea of healing and how you really have to heal your relationship with yourself first before you can heal anything else. And that gratitude is actually a frequency that will get you back on track to healing. And gratitude is that frequency of miracles. And starting to look at everything as something you can be grateful for, everything as a miracle. And I forget which panelist gave this example, but they said, you know, sometimes you you stub your toe and you get upset. But there are some people who would die to know what a stubbed toe feels like, you know. And this, this larger sense of spirituality and how spirituality itself is a connection to a greater whole and gratitude helps lead us to that expansive attitude and an overall sense of spirituality. And how do we develop this? Asking for guidance. And um, I think it was Paul who who said this this idea of holding the tension of the opposites and just to disengage from trying to solve that tension and just leave it open and ask, ask for guidance within that. And when we are too rigid in our lives, we're closing ourselves to so many possibilities and that chaos is actually a transitional state. And when chaos comes, that's a good time to get still and just figure out what's going on because chaos is loaded with information, but a lot of people run. Because our egos make us control freaks, but if you sit back and sit in that chaos and find what you can learn from it, you will expand and grow. And it all comes back to a lot of subconscious work and just leading with your heart, and that is what's going to lead you to a more spiritual place and an expansive mindset and learning and growing continually. So that was kind of like the main overview. It was a really powerful panel, I thought. And this one man, Tall Witty, I had never heard of before this weekend. And he is fire. Like, I am here for him. So, I mean, if you don't know about him, because I didn't know about him, now I'm his biggest fan. Check check him out. Then I listened to Dr. Keisha Ewers. Um, I never know how to pronounce her name, but she is amazing. I'm obsessed with her. Her talk was called The Root Cause of Your Hormone Imbalances That Doctors Never Talk About. She was so speaking my language, and I'm just like, this is literally why I went from nutritional therapy to Reiki. And I mean, I still do nutrition, but like, this is why... I turned to Reiki and why I see such incredible results with Reiki. Um, But let me backtrack for a second. So looking at hidden causes of hormonal issues. Well, she's talking about autoimmune disease and like what is the the, main driving factor of um, triggers for autoimmune disease? Um, Perfectionism. That is a huge one. And then also we're looking at your ACE scores. The higher ACE score, the higher your chances are of having an autoimmune disease. Same with... um, just any type of past trauma, it is more likely to cause hormonal issues, disease in general. Um, if you're not familiar with, with the ACEs, that's the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, but you can take an, a test um, to like measure your score in terms of adverse childhood experiences. And the more adverse childhood experiences one has had. And these are often, I mean, some of them are what popular culture would consider to be severe trauma, but others are things that people might not realize are trauma. Um, so everything from just not, not feeling loved enough from being bullied or being teased, feeling abandoned, these can all be considered, um, adverse childhood experiences. But what 
Dr. Keisha was saying is that in order to heal your hormones, you have to heal trauma. And that is the missing piece. It's all about rewiring your brain, truly healing from the trauma. Because people who have hypervigilant minds have hypervigilant endocrine systems. So she recommends people take that ACE test and figure out their score. And she was giving a lot of case studies with clients where, like, for example, one woman had chronic hives and they worked through the trauma. They released the trauma, the hives went away, and the hives only come back for her every once in a while when she goes back into victim mode and she has that trauma re-triggered and it's that mindset piece. And this is why brain retraining, energy healing, all of this, this stuff is important, especially if you have chronic health issues, if you feel like you've done everything, have you truly worked through your trauma? Obviously doing testing for genetics, toxins, gut, but looking at stress levels overall, past, present, future. Um, She was just talking a lot about blood testing for hormones and how that's not always the full story. Your blood is what's bioavailable, not necessarily what you're using. In terms of dealing with this trauma, The key piece is working through that, and she was saying how talk therapy alone doesn't work. You need to rewire your brain and rewire your thought patterns, and I definitely agree with this. This is why brain retraining is so powerful. This is why, like, part of what I do with Reiki is helping people to rewire their brains and work through, like, what are those traumas? Because some people don't even recognize that certain experiences got them trapped into that got them trapped in this sympathetic state and they can't get out and really managing your stress. In terms of the effects on the body, chronic daily stress is the same as PTSD on the body. And she was discussing how we have adult developmental stages and less than 1% of the population is in the space, the stage of non-judgment. And that is a developmental state. Most people are not in that place. And in order to get you out of the state you're in, in order to move you into a higher developmental state as an adult, you have to have someone who's at a higher level to guide you. So it can't just be a self-help book. It has to be an actual other person who is at a higher adult developmental stage, who is actually in that space of non-judgment to guide you through it. Because this feeling of victimhood is at the root of all illness. And it's about bringing the adult into their body and dealing with those unpleasant feelings in their body as the adult from the past. Because a lot of us push that away and don't actually fully work through the trauma. So she was saying that not forgiving another person is literally like swallowing rat poison and expecting that other person to die. You're just killing yourself. And then this idea that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. So people shy away from this because they don't want to be with that person again. Well, you can forgive without having them back in your life. And techniques that are really helpful, like looking in the mirror and imagining your abuser in you. Um, We all have the same traits, but we use them differently. So what was in that person that caused them to have that action? So it Like if you're looking at something like child abuse, what was in that person that caused him to abuse the child? Is it a misuse of power, cruelty, are they egomaniacal? And then when am I those things? Where am I those things? And she talked about this in her own life with her own traumas, trying to figure out her own abuser. And she started thinking, okay, when in my life am I, do I misuse power? 
was that his driving factor when he abused me when I was a child? And when do I misuse power? And she literally just thought the day before how she misused her power as a mother because she basically ordered her child around and made them do something. And it's a totally different context, but helps to humanize them in the fact of like, we all have these emotions, but people use them in different ways and people sometimes misuse them, but understanding where that emotion came from. And also how important it is in terms of um, dealing with children. And she talked about how by age four, kids have tracked you and they either, they trust you or they know, are you true to your word or do you just have empty threats? And how important it is to build that trust with them and understand that children um, know what's going on. And when working with children, it can it can really help, you know, to, to release that trauma at a younger age and you know, if, the, if it's a child, have them work with a trauma release therapist. For kids, it can be really helpful for them to draw what they're feeling. Um, so all of that. And then she kind of just ended with this idea of, I mean, and this is so true. I feel like I talk about this with my friends all the time. But we get upset when our expectations aren't met. But who told us that we won't get hurt? Like, why is that our expectation that in life we'll never get hurt. It's not true. This is just part of the risk of being a human and putting yourself out there and a risk of anything positive is that you might get hurt in the process. But like we have an expectation that we'll do all these things and we'll never get any, nothing bad will happen. And when you realize that like you can't have that expectation, um, like who, who put that on you? We just created that. Um, it just shifts things a little bit. And because it's all about getting out of this victim mentality, which is a really tough pill for people to swallow. They do not like hearing this, but that victim mentality is what pe- keeps people sick. Um, and getting out of that and rewiring your brain to stop being a victim is what will pull you out of it. Okay. Lastly, Ben at Greenfield, closing out the show with some Ben Greenfield, of course, and his chat was called, Why You Don't Need to Die When You're 70, 12 Basic and Advanced Tactics to Enhance Longevity. So if you're not familiar with Ben Greenfield, he is, um, well, people call him a biohacker. I'm not sure if he's going to identify with that. but I'm just going to say it. Uh, anyways, he likes to try all types of things out on himself um, and study everything related to nutrition, health, fitness, all the things, longevity, clearly. He actually started this talk by asking if people wanted to just do Q&A the whole time or if they wanted him to actually give his talk and everyone was like, no, give your talk. Um, I just have to get this off my chest that he talked this whole time with a really heavy like Texan accent and I was just looking around like are you guys hearing this like you don't have a Texan accent like it it was it was very distracting so I low-key couldn't focus on 83% of what he was saying because I was so distracted by this accent I thought at first he's gonna like make a joke a few minutes in like oh did you guys like my Texas accent no he maintained this and I recorded it and I (laughs) recording because I'm like I'm not crazy like if you listen to him talking during this talk and listen to his podcast I'm like where did this come from like it was it was truly bizarre it was truly bizarre but you know it's okay okay so I'm just gonna roll through some of these actually pretty quickly I don't think a lot of it was I've heard him say a lot of it before so um Okay, I mean, obviously, talking about longevity because our health span, our lifespan are low and humans need to, we need to work on this. So, 
12 things. Number one, don't smoke. He talked about, you know, get a standalone air filter. You want to avoid the smoke. Let's see. A lot, lots of antioxidants to reverse any smoking damage. Taurine can help. Number two, eat wild plants. All blue zones use herbs and wild plants. He was saying how carnivore could be, you know, a great temporary thing for IBS, constipation, but long term, he thinks that for longevity, you want to make sure you are including wild plants in your diet. But if you have leaky gut, then you probably won't do well with a lot of wild plants. Okay, number three, avoid processed vegetable oils slash packaged food because vegetable oils and sugar, refined sugar, are the biggest offenders or the main ingredients of packaged foods. Um, And we don't get highly palatable, high-calorie foods in nature. That's just not what we find. Our bodies are not designed to process those. So avoiding processed vegetable oils, packaged foods. Number four, he says eat legumes. He says this because all blue zones eat legumes, but he says he doesn't think it's the legumes themselves, but really what you want are slow release carbohydrates in your diet. So this could be purple potatoes, taro, lentils, beans, whatever floats your boat, but getting that slow release carb um, just because that can help you avoid any blood glucose fluctuations during the day. And you just want fiber, protein-rich carbs that can really help with that blood sugar balance. Number five, low-level physical activity throughout the day. Lots of walking, lots of movement. We're way too sedentary. Number six, prioritize social engagement. We have growing rates of depression and suicide. We have an increased use of social media, and this is making the problem worse. Um, You don't get the same heart rate variability, oxytocin, or pheromone release when you're interacting with somebody via social media rather than being around them at the dinner table, hanging out with them in real life. It's not the same chemical hormonal release, and we need that in-person interaction. So prioritizing your social life. Number seven. Drinking low to moderate amounts of alcohol, especially wine. He says that bitter, high antioxidant, mildly toxic alcohol is helpful because of the hormetic effect. Um, and what he considers considers moderate would be like one to two drinks. And then, you know, people were like, whoa, before they were talking about how alcohol is bad. And, you know, Ben's getting this information off of Blue Zones. My personal evaluation of this is you know, he was talking about how he drinks moderate amounts of wine feels great that's fine um but my, i mean my personal interpretation of this is like what they were saying in the earlier talk yes uh, maybe all blue zones they do drink moderate amounts of wine but is it the wine itself or is it the social interaction they're they're confounding variables so that's my interpretation um whatever number eight restrict calories and fast for some period of time. So higher calories can be useful, but then we we see that in different cultures, they usually fast religiously or just systematically, you know, maybe once a month dinner to dinner fast or a 12 to 16 hour intermittent fast or like a five day liver cleanse once a year could be helpful, but having periods of time where you are like easing the body away from food, calories, and fasting for a bit. And remember, he's saying this, so I get nervous, but if you have health issues, it's probably not a good idea. Okay, number nine, 
possess a strong life purpose. Like know, have your sentence, know what your, what your purpose is in this life. I empower people to do this. I inspire people to do this. Um, knowing that purpose very clearly. Number 10, low amounts of stress. So talking about very useful stress reduction techniques that you can use anywhere. So things like box breathing, alternate nostril breathing, breath work in general is really helpful because you can do that wherever you are. You don't have to have anything with you in case you're out and about and something stresses you out. You can do that type of breathing. Um, Very helpful. Number 11, engage in a spiritual discipline a religion, some type of belief in a higher power. And is it that belief itself or is it kind of all of the practices that come along with that, like fasting, times of silence, meditation, solitude, prayer? You're crossing over into like the physiological benefits as well and this can help with autophagy, but I think it's a little bit of of everything. But, you know, in the blue zones, they all do engage in some type of spiritual discipline. And then number 11, remaining reproductively useful. So the more sex you have, the longer you will live. Um, He says start at a younger age and that will enhance your life. So start young, have sex, live longer. And he also recommends putting rosemary in your coffee because apparently some studies were done where people who put rosemary in their coffees are having sex when they're 90 years old. So... So, guys, put rosemary in your coffee and take probiotics is what PaleoFX says. Okay, so those are the 12 things that all Blue Zones have in common. And then he got into some of the more biohacky things, a lot of which were just, like, intangible and, like, unrealistic for anyone to do. But I'll just briefly mention a few um, that he mentioned. So, hyper oxygenation so exposure to large amounts of oxygen in the body for certain periods of time um can help you know fighting free radicals let's see cold thermogenesis you could do cold showers in the morning and at night um also bitter melon extract to help to optimize fat mobilization in the body um let's see sauna high dose sauna and like heat alternating between heat and cold uva and uvb radiation getting plenty of sunlight uh rhodiola rhodiola can be helpful let's see insulin stabilizing herbs and spices you can do things like apple cider vinegar ceylon cinnamon the bitter melon extract and berberine to help balance your insulin sensitivity Hmm. Sirtuin activating compounds, stacks. This can help to reduce damage to mitochondria. In terms of food, he was recommending adding in things like dark chocolate, berries, wild strawberries, and let's see, stem cell research, colostrum, enhancing stem cell production through colostrum. He gave a shout out to his smoothie his epic smoothie if you go to his website and look up anti-aging smoothie you'll find that there but using ingredients like chlorella moringa coffee berry extract all these things let's see what else glutathione fish oil coq10 astragalus all of those are helpful supplements as well apparently to optimize your body and your life. So just all of the uh, fancy things. And then there's a few other things in there that I was just like, wow. Yeah. 
I don't have the money or time. So that kind of wrapped it up. That was it. Wow. I, that was not an hour. That was two hours. So I hope you guys enjoyed that recap. I hope you appreciated it that I just spilled all the beans, but you know, I love you. So I spilled all the beans for you, but really, if you want to get the full PaleoFX experience and get all of the information, get a ticket next year, hashtag not sponsored, but I had a great time and so much fun information. I wish I could have heard everybody speak and it's cool how depending on which talks you go to, like you could go to PaleoFX and hear completely different different speakers than I did and just be learning about completely different things. So just you can make it your own. It's, it's so much fun. But those are the key takeaways. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure half of you took notes. Maybe if you did, you could share them on the Facebook group. Um, and you can always reference this podcast. You can speed me up, do a three times speed. Although some people told me that I talk too fast to, to speed me up. I feel like I talk like, you know, sometimes fast, sometimes slow. It's fine. Okay. Anyways, that is it for today. I hope you found this helpful. Let me know what you thought. Please make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you enjoy this show in general and want to show your support for me. If you liked this episode, I love it when you guys screenshot and share it on social media so other people can find the show. And next time you're in an Uber, tell them to listen. That's what I did every time I was in Texas. I was like, hey, I'm a podcaster. And I grabbed their phone and subscribed. (laughs) But yeah, make sure you subscribe so you never miss a new episode. It's free for you to subscribe. And just make sure you never miss a new one because I release every Monday and Thursday. Got a lot of fun content for you. Jam-packed with information. (laughs) I'm sure you've had enough of me talking for right now. So next, next episode will be an interview. Don't worry. And if you are not already in our Facebook group, please join Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I would love to see you in there, get to know you, strike up some conversation, chat with other people who listen to the pod, like-minded individuals. It's a great place. Okay. I hope you have an incredible day. I hope you can decompress after this information overload. And I will chat with you again next time. Bye.